If you have any little ones and you'd like them to head off to nursery all the way up to second grade, we do offer children's uh, church at this time. They are welcome in the service also, obviously. We are going to be starting a, a new series in the month of October. Um, in the very near months, we're going to be diving into a book and looking at a book in its entirety. But for the month of October, um, given the fact that I'll be gone next Sunday because of the mission trip and, and a few other things going on this month, we're going to take the month of October and we're going to talk about just a little bit about giving. Now, we're not going to talk just about giving or stewardship or all of those things, but we're going to talk about a lot of the, the, the biblical truths that surround that idea. And so we're going to start in doing that by looking at the gospel of Mark. Now, we are looking at Mark in Sunday school class right now. We are in Mark, I believe, chapter 7 this morning in Sunday school class. And today we are going to be in Mark chapter 8. And so I don't know if we will be reviewing some of these verses in the weeks to come or if we will skip right over them. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 8 today. And we're going to look specifically at verses 14 through 21. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8 verses 14 to 21 and if you are able please stand for the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 14, we read this. It says, "And they, they being the disciples, they had forgotten to take bread." And did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them. He is Jesus. And he was giving orders to them saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? They said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? Please be seated. Sometimes we do just miss the point, don't we? There are just times in our lives, I feel very constricted here today. This is an obstacle course this morning. Uh, sometimes we, as we are going through life, sometimes we miss very obvious things because we are so focused on what is in front of us right now. We, I've used this saying a lot here because I think the disciples do this a lot, especially is we, we can't see the forest through the trees. And I'll tell you right now, I am one of the most guilty people of this. And I think that is why God saw fit to give me a wife. Because so often I get so singularly focused and to so tunnel vision that I forget all things around me. And I need my wife to every so often shoot me a text message and say, don't forget this. 
Because it would be beyond a shadow of a doubt, if my wife did not do that, I would be here and I would be doing something and caught up in, 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 in studying for my message or, or working on, on something I was writing and suddenly time would come and pass me by and, and one of my kids would be left stranded at their school or piano practice or who knows where else. It happens all the time. Because I just get so focused in on that. And as we jump into our text today, the disciples have a, a, a problem that they have become kind of fixated on. And because of that, because they are fixated on, they kind of forget everything else. And I think we do that in our lives as well. More than just schedules and, and forgetting to, to pick up a kid or forgetting to do something else. Sometimes when we are going through a season that is particularly hard, we begin to forget all of the good things that have happened around us and happened to us and all of the good things that God has spoken to us. And while we are, as I mentioned already, we are going to be talking about giving and finances and all of those type of things, what I want us to remember today beyond any shadow of a doubt is that God provides and that God takes care of us. And, and I really think that at the heart of everything that is happening here in this passage today, we can see that Jesus is calling his disciples to trust him. So let's get into this text a little bit and let's let's look at what is transpiring here. So the thing that is right in front of his disciples, the things that they are fixated on at the first, at the beginning of our passage is the problem that they do not have any bread. It says that they had they had gone over. In fact, if we go back one verse, it says in verse 13, leaving them, them being the Pharisees, they again embarked and went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they had gotten on the boat and they were crossing the Sea of Galilee on their way to Bethsaida. If you read a little bit ahead, you'll realize that's where they are going. So they are on kind of the, the, the west side of the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, and they are making their way over to kind of the north, the northeast side of it. And I know that was wrong for you, but let me say it this way. They were over here and they were going up here. If that helps you out. It won't help, up, help, help out anyone listening to this on audio, but hey, that's what you get for being here in real life. And so they're on their way, and as they get out into the boat, and as they are embarking on, on this little journey, they come to the realization that the only sustenance, the only food they have brought with them on this trip is one loaf of bread. Now, we don't know exactly how many people are on the boat. I think we could safely assume there is at least 13, 12 disciples in Jesus. It stands to reason there's more than that. But so if we can just even go with the bare minimum, there's 13 people on this boat and they have one loaf of bread to carry them from one side of the lake to the other and wherever they are going. I took some time to, to kind of look up about how long it would take to do that. Believe it or not, there are still people that have boats out on the Sea of Galilee. It is still a real place on a real map. This is not make-believe. We are not talking about Narnia here. This is a real place. And I actually, and believe it or not, because Google is such an amazing thing, you can look up how long does it take to sail from one side of Galilee to the other. And Google has an answer for that. 
And it's, Google said that if everything is working perfectly, if the winds are with you, if everything is good, it will take you about six hours to sail from one side of Galilee to the other. And that's assuming everything's going well. If you get winds, uh, contrary winds, if you have to make any sort of adjustment, if, if just anything does not go the way you want it to go, that six-hour trip can get longer and longer. And probably some of you are hearing the Gilligan's Island theme in your mind right now. And if you're younger and you don't even know what the Gilligan's Island theme is, don't worry, they'll sing it for you after the service. And so... They get on the boat. They know the journey is going to take the majority of the day. And they come to realize that they have not brought enough food to get them across. They may very well have been going to a place that would have been a desolate place, going to a place to rest and relax. And that knowledge made it all the more worse because that they knew they either had to reveal to one of the neighboring areas like Bethsaida that, they, that Jesus was there and that would attract the crowds, but also that they just wouldn't have any food. See, based on what the disciples could see, they did not have enough resources to make all their ends meet. They could not all be sustained or even remotely taken care of from one loaf of bread. And I think that we can relate to this today. In fact, I I think that we tend to not only relate to this, but I think that we are going to ultimately see in our passes that we respond the same way. They saw a problem. We don't have enough. And really, if we look at our world and our culture today, we can kind of feel that. Grocery is more expensive. Pay, you know, pay is not keeping up with it. Insurance is expensive. Medical things are expensive. And there's a lot of times that I'm sure everyone in this room gets that feeling like there's not enough to get everything done. And if we are maybe good with the finances, we may struggle with time. It can be a lot of other things. And like the disciples, I think that we can be lured into or or, or tempted to only see the physical that is right in front of us. See, what they knew, what they knew, what they had concrete in their mind is we don't have enough bread. And yet how Jesus responds to it is at the very least not what they expected. In the midst of this discovery, going back to the text, it says they realized that they had forgotten to take bread and only had one loaf, and and Jesus was giving them orders. He was teaching them or commanding them, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, this is a, a very interesting reality because the thing that is in front of them right now is a physical thing. It is we don't have enough bread. But what Jesus seems to be talking about is some, some sort of spiritual thing. This beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and, and Herod. And they're like, we're what we're aware of, what we're, what we're watching out for is we don't have enough leaven in this boat. You're telling us to worry about people, the people that we just left behind and a, and a king that, that's way far off, and yet we have problems right here, Jesus. Why are you worried about these things when you should be worried about this thing? And the reality is, is they had 
what they considered to be a very real problem. But what Jesus was revealing to them is what their real problem was. So let's think about what this, this, this warning comes. He says, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Giving you a little bit of insight, leaven is typically viewed upon as being a bad thing. We see it clearly in the New Testament. Jesus has teachings of, of how the, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. I think Paul actually even speaks of that um, and how that just a little bit of sin can, can affect the whole thing. We actually realize that we can actually look and realize this teaching comes all the way back from the Old Testament. And in the teachings of the Passover and everything that had gone on there, leaven had kind of come to be synonymous with, with sin and with, with things that were not, not proper to be mixed with the things of God. To give you an example of this, Exodus 13, 7, in speaking of the, the Passover and all that says this, it says, unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days and nothing leavened shall even be seen among you nor shall any leaven be seen among all of your borders. So we, we get this idea that, that, that God had this, not that God had a problem with leaven. This, by the way, leaven is yeast. Let me not use all churchy words today. Yeast. It's the stuff that made the bread outside in the vestibule all big and poofy. And what he's saying is, and what they were saying is, is because of the Passover, because they had to bake the bread without the, the yeast in it, without giving it a chance to, to rise, that became synonymous with their freedom. And, and from now on, when they celebrated the Passover, no yeast, no leaven could be a part of the meal in any way, shape, or form. In fact, they say there shouldn't be any, any yeast, any leaven anywhere present during this time. And so it got, began to be associated with this idea of sin or something bad. Something that corrupts. And so when Jesus says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, he's saying, be aware, beware of the corruption that can come from either the Pharisees or from Herod. Now, when we think about this, we can go back just a little bit and begin to understand what he's talking about. Go back just a little bit in our own chapter to verse 11. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, The Pharisees came out and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test them. So this is really what like made them get in the boat. Is the Pharisees, Jesus had done something fantastic. We're going to talk about that in a second. And as soon as the Pharisees, or excuse me, as soon as Jesus had done this fantastic thing, the Pharisees came up and wanted to test him. And say, no, we want you to do something right now for us on the spot. We want, we want to see it. We want you to do it right now for us on the spot. We want you to do what we want you to do, when we want you to do it, how we want you to do it. And if you do exactly what we want, when we want, how we want, then we'll believe. Man, that sounds like me sometimes. Sometimes, and I bet I'm not alone in the room, but in there, there's sometimes you're like, okay, God, if you can just make all the lights green so that I can get to work on time and not get pulled over, I'll really trust you if you do that. Doesn't work that way, does it? 
See, the Pharisees, the Pharisees didn't believe in Jesus, and so they started making demands on him and basically trying to say, if you do exactly what, when we want, how we want, then maybe, just maybe, we will believe you. And they put conditions on it and they put things on it and they, they, they tried to make Jesus instead of the Lord of heaven and earth, but they tried to make Jesus something they could control and something they could give orders to and something they could make demands of. And man, by golly, I know I do that too. And sometimes that leaven and that corruption of the Pharisees kind of gets in my head. But he doesn't just mention the, the Pharisees, but he also mentions Herod. And there's a reason for that. And we can go back a couple of chapters in Mark chapter 6, verse 16. And if we look just a, a few chapters in the back, in Mark 6, 16, we see that, that God, has been doing, or God has been doing things through Jesus. Jesus has been performing miracles. And word has finally got to Herod about what's, over, what's happening and Herod begins to believe that Jesus is John the Baptist back from the dead. In fact, in uh, Mark six sixteen, we read these words. It says, but when Herod heard of it, this was the miracles and the things that Jesus was performing. He kept saying, John, whom I beheaded, has risen. See, unlike the Pharisees who at least went to Jesus and made demands, Herod wanted nothing to do with it. Herod had done something that he knew was wrong, that he knew was bad. He had beheaded uh, John the Baptist. You can read Mark 6 to get the full details of that. He had done it out of being, after being manipulated by his wife and his, his wife's daughter. That whole marriage was one um, born out of sin and adultery. And, and because of the sin and adultery of Herod and the foolishness of his behavior and probably even the lust of his eyes, all of that ultimately led to John the Baptist being martyred. And now Herod was living with the guilt and sin of what he had done. And so when word came out that there was this miracle worker, and some might have thought that he was even John the Baptist back from the dead, he was so scared and so frightened of who Jesus might be, he stayed away from him as much as possible. See, Herod wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And by golly, I think that we do that too also. See, sometimes we make mistakes, don't we? And even though we may claim to be a child of God, sometimes we don't really act like a child of God, do we? And we let anger get the best of us. We let foolish words leave our mouth that cause harm and create division. We fail to love people when they need to be loved. We fail to forgive people when they need forgiveness. We mess up. And sometimes we mess up in big ways. And sometimes we mess up in big and public ways. And sometimes when we mess up, instead of going to God and seeking forgiveness and repentance, we run from God like Jonah and try to stay as far away from Him as possible. And so Jesus, I want you to think about this. These are two very different people who had heard about Jesus and responded in these two very different ways. One wanted proof and would not believe unless there was proof. And the other one feared the truth and avoided it so that he didn't have to deal with the truth. 
And in the midst of, of and then this is, you know, this is a, a pretty heavy teaching and something to really think and ponder. And yet, in the midst of all of, of all that I've just told you, all the disciples were thinking is, I'm hungry. In fact, I'm sure that even they're saying, you know, probably thinking in their minds, no, the problem is we don't have leaven. The problem is we don't have bread. What are you talking about? Why are you trying to meet our physical need with a spiritual thing? I don't get it. And I don't understand it. And Jesus is warning them not to follow the examples of either of these people. But rather what he is telling them is to trust in the Lord. In fact, Proverbs 3, 5 says the positive alternative very well when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But unfortunately, the disciples still miss the point. In fact, it is reasonable to believe that what started as a, Hey, who packed the bread? Thomas? No. Simeon? No. Judas, you've got the money. Did you pack the bread? No. John, James, other James, Judas, not Iscariot. Do you think they called him that? I think that was later that he just said, hey, I'm the Judas that's not Iscariot, all right? No, no, no. Nobody packed the bread. Nobody? Is there any bread? They're having this discussion. Jesus is saying, watch out, watch out. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven of Herod. Watch out. What do you do with bread? No, watch out. Do you you have anything? Watch out. And then it becomes an argument. In fact, look back at the text here, just a second. Jesus is, has made his warning. And it says in verse 16, and they began to, scu- to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. This is a very nice translation. Have you ever been fighting with somebody and someone steps in and you go, like, guys, quit fighting? We're not fighting, we're just having a discussion. That's what's happening here. The original, the original language, the original Greek has a kind of a range of meaning. And what was probably happening is they noticed it and now things were getting heated. And I've seen this happen before. I have seen in, with my own eyes people who were hungry and started having a discussion. And that discussion got really heated. And, and man, let me tell you, first off, let me tell you, food fixed it right up. But I'll be honest with you, there has been, we have been right on the verge of just knockdown dragouts in my house before that, that food hit the table. And hangry, hangry does not run in my family. Hangry walks in my family like a longtime friend. And so they're starting to get heated and they're starting to have this discussion. They have completely missed the teachings of Jesus, not even thinking about it at all. And they are starting to get into more and more of a discussion with one another about the fact that they have no bread. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. And I think we do this. Has there ever been a time in your life where things are not going so well? Now, this can be for a lot of reasons. Could be family stuff, could be financial stuff, could be, could be life choices. 
and things are not going so well, and, and because things are not going so well, I want you to think of it this way. You are grinding. Because things are not going well, you're working harder. You're trying to do more. Maybe you're getting up earlier and you're also staying up later. And, you're, and maybe you're dealing with the consequences of, of some of your decisions and, and you know you're in a bad spot. And so you're trying to get yourself out of the hole, but you know you're in the hole. And so you're working harder and you're trying to get through it, but you're exhausted and you're maybe even a little bit depressed because you know that you're in this situation because you didn't do what you were supposed to do a while ago or you just took a risk and it didn't work out. You ever been there? And then as you're doing all of that, then someone comes in and says, Hey, buddy, you just need to trust the Lord. And their intentions are good, but you respond like this. And you dismiss them in kind. I know I've done that. I know there have been times in my life where I was living in the flesh and, and I didn't like how my life was going and I was making decisions and, and the things I was prioritizing in my life did not honor God. And in fact, I was really very much so running from God. And, and even though I was a believer, my life did not reflect that. And one time I remember talking to my, my roommate in college and, and he finally asked me, and many of you have heard this story before, and he said, do you think maybe you are so unhappy in your life because you are not living for the living for Jesus? Jesus like you say you should be and I was like no that can't be it and then I kind of was sitting in the then I pouted because that's something I do and I was like well who does he think he is I mean what, what makes him so high in my <laughs> don't look at my daughter and then I started getting all all huffy about it Fast forward 25 years, he was absolutely right. But because I was so focused on the thing right in front of me, I couldn't even realize that what he was telling me was 100% true. And what he was calling me to do, and he did a great job of it. There was nothing wrong with him in this conversation. What he was calling me to do was repent. Repent. But because I was so focused on the problem right in front of me, I couldn't hear that and I just got mad. See, sometimes we can't see how God is working in us and through us and around us because we are so focused on the problem that we have. And we have to, we have to take a step back and we have to open our eyes. And we have to recognize that sometimes even the very problems that are in front of us are there because God is doing something in our life. Let me read to you from, from Psalms. This is Psalm 66. I'm going to pick up in verse 8. He says, Bless our God, O peoples, and sound His praise abroad, who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. For you have tried us, O God, and you have refined us as silver is refined. Oh my goodness that I could have a heart like this. Think about this for just a moment. Think about having a heart and having a mindset where you say, Praise the Lord, I'm going through it. This is the, the, the very basis of what we see in the book of James where he says, Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. 
And the reason for that is, is the very fact that you are going through it right now is because God is doing a work in you. He is teaching you something. He is removing something. He is strengthening something in your life so that you will trust Him more. And oh, that we would recognize that God has tried us and that He has refined us. He has turned up the heat on us like the refiner refines silver. And may we respond to that with, Bless our God, O peoples. That's hard. And at this point in the game, the disciples don't get it. And there has been so many times in my life where I have not gotten it and i'm sure you have been there too and so finally jesus has to speak plainly and you know i've i've been taught by you guys not to put my own maybe sarcasm and attitude into the word the mouth of jesus but as you look at this, it says, and they, they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you, yet, do you not yet see or understand? Have you a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full were bro- uh, of broken pieces did you pick up? And they answered 12. And how many from the, when I broke seven for the 4,000, how many did you pick up? And they said seven. He goes, do you get it now? Do you now see and understand? Twice already. In fact, once, it just in this chapter, at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus had fed a multitude from very little. He had fed 5,000 with just a few loaves and then fed 4,000 with even less. And in both cases, there was an ample amount left over that the disciples may very well have lived off of and given to the poor and done so many things. And yet, they're in a boat right now going, we ain't got no bread. And Jesus is saying, stop. Stop looking at the thing that is right in front of you and, and look at what I am doing and what I have done. You know, I cannot help but wonder... If the disciples knew very well what Jesus had done in the past and they were seeing what Jesus would do with this information. Hey, Jesus, only got one loaf here. You know what to do. This is the leaven of the Pharisees. By that same stretch, notice nobody asked him. No one said, hey, Jesus, we only have one loaf of bread. Do you think that you can help make sure that we get all the way across the sea and that we're taken care of when we get there no they didn't ask him they just started arguing about it maybe hoping that he would just take the hint they didn't want to go flat out and ask him and just hoped he would do it on their own this is the leaven of herod instead of going to jesus they talked around him regardless they did not trust that Jesus could and would provide for them. See, they didn't trust that Jesus could could provide for them, and this led to their discussion, which led to argument, which may have very well led to to bitterness and anger, anger. And instead of simply trusting in Him, 
this discussion had broke out. And guys, we do the same thing. See, we're, we're talking about giving, but this is a, uh, you know, we're talking about stewardship this month, but this is a much bigger thing and a much bigger question of do we really trust that God is going to take care of us? Do we really trust that God provides? Do we really put our faith in Jesus as to live for Jesus in that trust? Or do we tell Jesus we trust him and then do our own thing? How many times have you said to somebody, and I'm guilty of this, and some and those people are going to laugh in here because they've seen me do it. How many times have you said, hey, will you go find, can you go get that thing out of, out of the garage? Can you go get my Phillips head screwdriver out of the garage? And, and you send them into the garage, and then they come back and they say, I couldn't find it. I don't think it's there. And you go, okay, let me go look. And they're like, hey, I know where you keep your screwdrivers. I know where it was supposed to be. I'm telling you, it's not there. It's not in the garage. I'm not an idiot not there and you go yeah i believe you i'm just going to go check anyways your actions are speaking louder than your words and we do that with the lord all the time we say yes god i trust you i believe your word is true i believe your way is good and pure and i and i know that that you have eternal life um in in store for me and i just need to walk with you i know that's true but I'm going to do my own thing in this area of my life. Our actions end up speaking louder than our words. I find it so fitting that when Jesus teaches his people plainly about their trust in him, he brings in the past. Do you remember the 5,000? Yeah. How many baskets were left over with the 5,012? Were you hungry then? Yes. Did I provide for you then? Yes. What about just a day ago? Do you remember the 4,000? Yeah. How many baskets were left over then? Seven. Did I provide for you then? Yes. Were, did you eat and were satisfied? Yeah. Do you not yet understand? And here's what's so cool about this. Not only do we have the testimonies of Scripture, not only can we look at how God provided for the apostles and the early church, but we can look at church history. And we can see how time and time again the Lord showed up and did things uh, throughout the history of the church to preserve the church and keep the, the, the body alive and going. You can look in the people around you and you can hear the testimony of real, live, living, breathing people who have seen and experienced God's provision, even in this room. And you have your own life as well. Because I have no doubt there's been times in your life where you've gone to the Lord and said, I need you. And God has showed up in a wonderful and amazing and fantastic way. But there are times in our life when things are hard and there's a problem right in front of us and it seems like all we can see is that problem. And to that, the words of Jesus should echo into our head, do you still not understand? 
do you not yet understand? The Lord has provided before. He has done for you. He has done for the people in this room. He has done for the church throughout history and He did for the disciples. And He will do it again. And so we can trust Him. We can trust Him when we don't have all the answers. We can trust Him when the the problem is right in front of us and we don't know how the problem can possibly be solved. We can trust Him when we feel like there's no way out. And we don't know how we'll take that next step. We can trust Him because the Word tells us to. In fact, in Hebrews 13a, and I'll leave you with this. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. We can trust Him. We can trust Him when He fed the 5,000. We can trust Him when He fed the 4,000. We trusted Him when Tunnel Hill Baptist Church became a church. And you can trust Him now with your life. And that means your health. That means your family. That means your finances. And that means your time. The question is only, will you trust Him? And for some of us today, will you put your trust in Him for the first time today? See, the reason we can trust Him is because we believe that Jesus is the Christ. That He is the Son of the living God. That He lived so that He could die on the cross for our sins and raise from the grave three days later. And I would challenge you today, if you have not made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, that today be the day that you put your trust in Him for real. If you'd like to know more about that, I'm going to stand up front here in just a moment and we're going to sing one last song. And we would invite you to come forward. I'd love to tell tell you just a little bit more about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. (coughs) But for the rest of us today, I want to challenge you, and especially as we go through this series and we go through this month, will you trust Jesus? He has given us every reason to do so. But will you do it today? Let us pray. My God, my joy. Lord, what a loud question. Do you yet understand? Father God, you have given us all the proof and all the evidence that we need. Lord, we see it in our lives. We see it in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We see it in the history of the church, and we see it in our scripture today. We recognize that, that God, you will take care of us and that you will provide for us and that we need only trust you to seek your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you with all the details. God, I pray that you would put a, 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 a burden on our heart, that you would put a, just a, a stirring up in our, inside of us, Lord, to trust you more. Lord, I know that there's probably uh, people in this room, in fact, I think there's probably everyone in this room that we have a part of our lives, whether it is our, our money, maybe it's our time, maybe it's our family. God, that we still kind of shelter from you, that we still keep from you. God, I pray that today would be the day that we would just hand that over to you and say, I trust you. Lord, I pray that that we would let our actions and our words agree. And that when we say we trust you, that we would see how we trust you through every decision we make. 
And God, that you would just continue to do what you do. And that you would keep your promises. And that we would walk with you. And that the faith that we would walk by would draw other people to you. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that really, truly needs to just place their faith in you for the first time to trust you with their life, Lord, I pray that they would not leave this building today without having a conversation with somebody about what it means to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work in and through this church. And God, that we would not get so distracted by the problem right in front of us that we failed to see how you have worked time and time and time again. So God, we love you. And Lord, we trust you that you are the God who provides. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.